I was hanging out with my neighbor yesterday, which our neighbors are amazing. If you guys don't know your neighbor, get to know your neighbors, okay? I say that because I used to be the person that didn't know my neighbors at all, and God really convicted me and was like, you can't come here and worship and preach and do all this stuff and not even know your neighbor's name. So um, get to know your neighbors. But she, my neighbor came over to bring me a drill bit because I don't know if you guys noticed, Aaron, my husband here, broke his wrist. <laughs> just in time for a baby to come, you know? Uh, I was like, can you change a diaper? Nope. Okay, cool. Um, <laughs> so please pray for us, and if you like to change diapers, you're welcome to come over in about a month and help me. <laughs> um, but anyway, so she, I, I've been hanging, like, all the curtains and blinds in our basement, trying to get it ready for, um, we've been renovating our basement for the last couple of years, <laughs> three years, um, and now it's finally done, and his family was coming, and so I was like, let's get the curtains up this weekend, but then he breaks his wrist, so I'm like on a ladder hanging them, we almost got divorced a little bit, I'm just kidding, <laughs> it's okay, we made up, <laughs> literally, I was like, just stop, you can't do anything, I'm doing it, just let me do it, <laughs> it's like, you know, when you're an hour deep on one little bracket, <laughs> um, but anyway, so my neighbor comes, because we couldn't find her drill, she brings over a drill, awesome neighbor. And she's like, I met your, your mom the other day. I thought it was your sister. And I was like, she's going to love hearing that. So <laughs> happy Easter, everyone. Happy Resurrection Day. So great to be with you this morning. Wow, today is an amazing day, a celebration. I, I feel like this is one of the most important weekends in our Christian walk um, that we get to celebrate and observe and honor every single year. Good Friday for me, it used to always be something that I saw as a really sad day when I was a kid, you know, the, the death of Jesus, and it just felt so heavy. But as I've just been walking with the Lord, I, I've started to find the beauty in Good Friday and why we call it Good Friday. And as many of you, I'm sure, did this weekend of just reflecting on the story of Jesus and what he did for us on the cross whether you read the scriptures of that or partook in communion, worshipped. And for me, I, I don't like to, I, I still, I got to do it. I haven't seen the passion. I really, like, I know now I'm older. I've just always had this, like, I had a fear of watching it because I knew just how much my heart would break watching it. But I think it would be really important. So I'm going to do that. But there's something about feeling and seeing and watching or reading just the account of what happened to Jesus, what his body went through, and how he was beaten and bruised and whipped and stabbed and mocked, a man of such purity who had never even had a lustful thought after a, another woman is hung naked on a cross for everyone to see. And, you know, there's those kind of almost like chilling words that we read in the Bible where it says, Eloi, Eloi, lemma sabatani, which means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And I think about the pain and the heartbreak that Jesus must have felt on that cross as his father, who we know says never abandons us or forsakes us, but couldn't even look at his son because he was so covered in the sin of the world that he turned his face from him. And I think about the Garden of Gethsemane where Jesus was under so much stress, physical, emotional stress, that he's literally sweating blood. 
I don't think there's any CrossFitter in this room who has gone so hard at the gym that they've sweat blood. Like that is some intense, intense pressure that he's under. And he's crying out to his father saying, Father, if there's any other way that you could take this cup from me, just take it. Because the thought of what he had to endure was too much. But he knows that there's no other way to save humanity. There's no other way to rescue us, for us to be in, with him in, <clears throat> for all of eternity. And so when he's on that cross, he drinks every last drop of that cup of suffering, every last drop of the cup of wrath of God. And this is what I've been reflecting on over this weekend. How God, from the beginning, intentionally, resurrection was his purpose. That yes, the cross was, cross was a destination, but it wasn't the final destination. It was just a way to get there. Because resurrection was his purpose. Resurrection was his intention. Even when he said, let there be light at the beginning of time, before the world was even formed, and he said those first words, let there be light, he knew the resurrection was to come. He knew that that was the way to save humanity. As Adam and Eve were kicked out of the garden, God all along was like, I have a plan, and my plan is resurrection. I have a plan for humanity. I'm going to save them through Jesus, through his life, through his death, through his burial, and through his resurrection. And so today, we're on Easter, on Easter Sunday. We're not dwelling in the death of Jesus, but rather we're celebrating now the resurrection. Come on. And there's a, a day in between where Jesus, he, he dies, and Pilate actually, he, when they told him that Jesus was dead, he didn't believe them, because people would hang on the cross for, like, way longer, hours and hours more. I think Jesus hung uh, on the cross and, like, was up there alive for about six hours, and he didn't even believe. He had to go get a centurion to double check, like, is this true? He's dead? He couldn't believe it. And a man named Joseph, he chose to ask um, Pilate for a pardon for the body of Jesus to actually have a proper burial. Because they used to leave the bodies of the criminals on the crosses to rot. And the animals to come and eat them. <laughs> and so he asked for this pardon, can we please have the body? And it probably cost him his own personal money, wealth, he was a religious leader. And they take the body of Jesus down. And at this point, you know, it's the end of the day. And they put him in that tomb. And they roll the stone and a guard stands watch. And there's this day in between, which is the Sabbath. And as a Jewish person, you observe the Sabbath. You don't do any work. You don't do anything on the Sabbath. And the disciples or and Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of Jesus, who who watched him die on that cross, they're desperate to go and prepare his body for burial, to honor his body, to, to put spices on him, to, you know, wrap him properly, to do all of these things, but they can't do anything because it's the Sabbath, and so they're stuck waiting. And I'm sure that there was such a heaviness of, like, the silence of Saturday, the waiting period, the waiting, hoping, wishing, coming to terms with the fact that their Lord and Savior, who they loved, has now died. And many people interpret Jesus' last words when he said, it is finished. They thought it was, it was over. They thought that was the end. 
You know, they had heard the prophecies of the Messiah and they thought, this is it, he's here. And then three years in, he's like dead. And they're like, I thought you were going to like restore Jerusalem, kingdom, rebuild the temple, all this stuff. And now our Messiah is dead. And that's it. And it's over. And there might be some of us sat here today that are feeling in that waiting or in that Saturday, feeling like my business is over, my marriage is over, my family member, my close one, my loved one died. This is it. This is, oh, it's over. And this morning, I want to say that the Saturday wasn't the end. The waiting, the silence of Saturday, that God, he comes and he meets us even in the silence of our Saturdays. Because the next morning, we know what happened. And a lot of us, we, we like to say the tomb is empty. Has anyone been like, you've said that, the tomb's empty? Yeah? It's like a common phrase. And as I was reflecting on this, I was actually like, actually, the tomb wasn't exactly empty. Because we see that, as Kate was saying too, resurrection, it was intentional. It was planned by God. It was purposeful. So if you have your Bibles, we're going to read a lot of scripture this morning. So stay with me. We've got it on the back. But John 20, it says here in verse 5, And stooping to look in, he, meaning John, saw the linen cloths lying there, but he did not go in. Then Simon Peter came, following him, and went into the tomb. He saw the linen cloths lying there, and the face cloth, which had been on Jesus' head, not lying with the linen cloths, but folded up in a place by itself. I've read this so many times, and I never even thought about it like that. Like, Jesus literally folded his face cloth. Like, someone give his mom a, an award, his dad, they raised him right. Aaron, you taking notes? All right. So, he literally folded up his own grave clothes, and he set, put it separately to the side. <laughs> he was intentional with his resurrection. He didn't just wake up and was like, I'm alive! All right, let's go. He, it makes me think that maybe he sat... He came alive in the tomb, and he sat there, and he took off his own cloths, and he's folding them. He is the king of kings, after all, you know? Can't be messy. I'm <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> and he puts them down, and he places there. And as I was talking through with Duncan um, in between services, it's like those, are, those were the cloths that were wrapped in our sin. And now he's unwrapping them, and he's placing them down. And he's like, you're going to stay here in this tomb. The thing that bound me, the thing that marked my death. I don't know about you, but I don't really see many mummies walking around alive. Like, that's not how they choose to live, you know, walking around with their face cloth. So he's taking off his grave clothes, and he's folding them down, and he's placing them there, and he's leaving them. The tomb wasn't fully empty. Those grave clothes, those, the symbols of death stayed there. And not just that, what else was left in that tomb is our sin, our shame, our sickness, our disease, our hopelessness, our weariness, our depression, our anxiety, our chains. That is left in the tomb. The tomb is empty. Jesus isn't there, but it's not empty because it's full of all of the stuff that he left behind. Amen? Come on. Yes. <laughs> Many of us, we want to we skip the Saturday. And go straight to the Sunday. But God does something in that waiting. Yes. He does something in that tension of building. Yes. 
he, Jesus wasn't doing nothing. He was like taking back the, he was storming the gates of hell. He's taking back the keys. He's defeating death. He was doing something in that Saturday. And in our own Saturday, God is doing something in us. He's doing something when we don't see it, when we can't feel it. So if you want to turn with me to John chapter 11, we're going to read the story of Lazarus. And this was one of the most significant miracles besides Jesus' own, you know, resurrection, which was pretty awesome, that we read in the Bible. And he's setting the stage for what resurrection was because I don't think people necessarily really understood. Even his own disciples, he would like try to tell them about his death, resurrection, and they didn't really get it. They didn't really understand. And so Jesus is setting the stage. John 11 says, a man named Lazarus was sick. He was from Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. This Mary, whose brother Lazarus now lay sick, was the same one who poured perfume on the Lord and wiped his feet with her hair. So the sisters sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is sick. Wow. Imagine being someone who, it was significant enough to say, the one you love is sick. That's how close of a relationship Jesus and Lazarus had. And the name of Lazarus, it literally means the one whom God helps. It's like embedded in the name of Lazarus is the, the prophesying the destiny of what God is going to do for him. That the one, whom, the one who loves him is going to come and heal him and help him. Verse 4, when he heard this, Jesus said, this sickness will not end in death. No, it is for God's glory so that God's son may be glorified through it. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was two more days. You know, as you do. Hey, the one you love is sick. Okay, I'll be there in two days. <laughs> you can laugh, okay. All right, verse 11. Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I'm going there to wake him up. His disciples replied, this is verse 11. Sorry, I skipped down. Verse 12. His disciples replied, Lord, if he sleeps, he will get better. Jesus had been speaking of his death, but his disciples thought he meant natural sleep. So then he told them plainly, Lazarus is dead. And now for your sake, I am glad I was not there so that you may believe, but let us go to him. On his arrival, verse 17, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Now, it could have been easy for Mary and Martha. They sent word to Jesus like four days before. Actually, they sent word when he was sick and now he's dead. And they send word and it could have been easy for them to interpret the silence of Jesus as his absence. Because he didn't respond. He didn't come to their help immediately. In fact, we see that he waited. And there are times in our lives where we're seeking God for something and we don't hear answers. Or we don't hear direction. We don't hear anything. And we can interpret his silence or what we think is his silence as his absence. But that is not the case. It doesn't mean that he's absent. It means he's doing something. He's building something. It's that silence of Saturday, that waiting. It doesn't mean that he's not doing anything. Verse 18. Now Bethany was less than two miles from Jerusalem, and many Jews had come to Mary and Martha to comfort them in the loss of their brother. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him. But Mary stayed at home. Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been there, my brother would not have died. Wow, how many of us have said that to God? God, if only you had done this, this wouldn't have happened. 
Lord, if only you had been there. If only you had intervened. If only you had stopped that whatever. They had an expectation for Jesus that he didn't meet. But in the midst of that unmet expectation, he's like, this is a perfect time for resurrection. How about that? How about in your unmet expectations, God's going to bring resurrection? Because they said, I thought you would come and you didn't. Even Jesus had an unmet expectation in the beginning. He says to his disciples, this sickness is not going to end in death. But it does, right? He does die. And as we will continue reading, but Jesus, it's even if he still does, or even if, even if it does, sorry, he still is. Even if this happens, you still are, right? Verse 22, but I know that even now God will give you whatever you ask, Jesus said to her. Your brother will rise again. Martha answered, I know he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? Yes, Lord. That's what he asked. Yes, Lord, she replied. I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God, who is to come into the world. After she had said this, she went back and called her sister Mary aside. The teacher is here, she said, and is asking for you. When Mary heard this, she got up quickly and went to him. Now Jesus had not yet entered the village, but was still at the place where Martha had met him. When the Jews who had been with Mary in the house comforting her noticed how quickly she got up and went out, they followed her, supposing she was going to the tomb to mourn there. When Mary reached the place where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who had come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. Where have you laid him, he asked. Come and see, Lord, they replied. Jesus wept. Then the Jews said, see how he loved him. But some of them said, could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man have kept this man from dying? Jesus, once more deeply moved, came back to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. Take away the stone, he said. But Lord, said Martha, the sister of the dead man, by this time there is a bad odor, for he has been in there for four days. Then Jesus said, Did I not tell you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. Then Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me. But I said this for the benefit of the people standing here, that they may believe that you sent me. When he said this, Jesus called out in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out, his hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth cloth around his face. And Jesus said to them, Take off the grave clothes and let him go. Come on. What I, find, what I find so powerful about this story is Jesus says, I am resurrection. Today, we're not just celebrating that Jesus resurrected, but we're celebrating that he is resurrection. That he, is, he said to us that he is the bread of life and he still is. He said he is the good shepherd, and he still is. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and he still is today. He is the same God who stood with Moses and parted the Red Seas. He's the same God that stood in the fiery furnace with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He's the same God in the lion's den with Daniel, and he's the same God here with us today in the midst of our suffering, in the midst of our pain. He says to us, I am resurrection. 
I am. It's not I was, it's not I resurrected, it's I am resurrection. The resurrection can be found only in Jesus Christ. Come on, that gets me really, really excited. That when God seems to be up to nothing, or doing nothing, he may be doing more than we could ever even comprehend or understand. And it's what Aaron said last week. Thank you. <laughs> it's what Aaron said last week where he says, he was talking about how sometimes we reject the promise because it's not the packaging that we thought it was going to be. And often we can reject what God is doing because it doesn't look like something that suits us or it's not in the time frame that we want or we need. But even when it doesn't look like anything, even when it's the silence of the Saturday, God is still up to something. God is still brewing something good. And it's resurrection for us. Whether we see that in this life or in the next, his promise to us is that in him there is resurrection and resurrection power. So I shared a few months ago when I was speaking um, about just our, our story and our journey with this last baby when we were in our first trimester. And we went through weeks of, of um, bleeding and like getting tests, you know, for my HCG levels, which is your pregnancy hormone that helps kind of keep the baby alive. And that my HCG levels were not rising. They were going down. It was, it was not good. And my midwife, she said the exact words, we're just in a holding pattern. We just have to wait and see what happens. The fact that it's the 21st century, we can like answer texts and emails from our watch and do all this crazy stuff. And then for like a woman and baby, it's just like, there's nothing we can do except wait. It's like, oh. and I'm like very type A. I like to know the plan. I like to know what's happening. And for me, it was, it was an incredibly stressful, emotional time of every day. But I, I felt God really say that praise is a weapon. Praise is my weapon. And I, that's what I did in those weeks. I would get on my knees in my room, in the car, and I would just worship, and I would cry out to God, and I would bear my heart to him, and I would weep, and I would say things along the lines of, God, even if I lose this baby, I still love you. Even if I lose this baby, I still know that you are a resurrecting God. Even if I lose this baby, I still trust you, God. Because resurrection... I know is a promise. Even if I don't necessarily see it now in this life, I know it's a promise for a life, for me. But also I have faith to believe that he can do it still now. There's this song by Elevation um, Worship that has just been wrecking me the last couple weeks since it came out. It's called Same God. And it's just talking about how God still is the same God that we read about in the Old Testament. That he's still a wonder-working, powerful, moving God in our lives. And Sometimes it's easy for us to forget that when we're in the midst of life, we're in the midst of a circumstance. But this morning, the good news is that he still is the same God, guys, in our lives. He's still moving powerfully. He's still alive today. He's more alive than ever. And in those days and weeks of my own waiting, I had a choice. I had a choice of how I was going to respond and we all have a choice in how we're going to respond and, how, and believing that he is resurrection in our lives. Yes. If you turn with me, Mark 15. Verse 46. 
says, so Joseph brought some linen cloth, took down the body of Jesus, wrapped it in the linen, and placed it in the tomb cut out of the rock. Then he rolled a stone against the entrance of the tomb. Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of Joseph, saw where he was laid. Chapter 16, verse 1. When the Sabbath was over, Mary Magdalene, Mary, the mother of James, and Salome brought spices so that they might uh, go to anoint Jesus' body. Very early on, the first day of the week, just after sunrise, they were on their way to the tomb. And they asked each other, who will roll the stone away from the entrance of the tomb? But when they looked up, they saw that the stone, which was very large, had been rolled away. As they entered the tomb, they saw a young man dressed in a white robe sitting on the right side, and they were alarmed. Don't be alarmed, he said. You were looking for Jesus, the Nazarene, who was crucified. He has risen. He is not here. See the place where they laid him, but go. Tell his disciples and Peter he is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him, just as he told you. Now when he rose early on the first day of the week, he appeared first to Mary Magdalene, from whom he had cast out seven demons. I find this so interesting that Jesus chose to reveal himself first to Mary Magdalene. Mary was, as we read, she was tormented by demons. She, people thought she was probably a wealthy woman, and she was very loyal to Jesus because he had done so much for her. You know, when your Savior has done so much for you, it's like, how can you not love him? How can you not follow him? How can you not trust him? And she sat there watching his death when probably many of his disciples and followers, they were most likely afraid to be associated with Jesus, as we see even Peter denying Jesus. And it was probably too hard even to watch. But Mary Magdalene stayed and watched Jesus. And she waited to go and prepare his body because she wanted to honor him. And in that place of wanting to honor him and loving her Lord and her Savior, he chooses to appear to her first. And often the only way to expect resurrection is to fully embrace death. And I think because she faced the Friday, she got to see him on the Sunday. And there are moments where we don't want to face the Friday. We don't want to face the death. We don't want to face those hard things. But God's like, in order for you to have, you can't have resurrection without a death. And the death for us is fully dying to Christ. It's fully dying to our sin and being made alive in him. That is our death because he's taken everything else. All we have to do is we have to die to Christ. We have to allow ourselves, when he hung on that cross and he said it is finished, what he meant is I have drank every single last drop of that cup of suffering and it is finished. Your sin is washed clean, it's wiped away, it's in the tomb, I have risen and you have risen with me and now we are seated in heavenly places together. We have to fully embrace the death to experience the life in the resurrection. We have to face Friday to enjoy Sunday. And in Ezekiel 37, Ezekiel is, he's talking with the Lord and he sees a valley of dry bones. And God is saying, do you think these bones can live? And he's like, yes. And God's like, well, prophesy over them that they'll live. And so they start to, the bones start, it says there was a rattling sound as the bones came together. 
Can you imagine? I think of a valley too, and I think about the echo that that would have been as the bones. The rattling sound as the bones come together. And then he's, God says, do you think these bones could have breath in their lungs? And he's like, yes. And God's like, well, prophesy that they would have breath in their lungs. Because the same God that, that hung on the cross and used that breath and said, it is finished. In that same breath, it's the same breath that lives inside of each and every one of us. That living breath of resurrection. And verse 12, Ezekiel 37 verse 12, it says, Therefore prophesy and say to them, thus says the Lord God, Behold, I will open your graves and raise you from your graves, O my people. And I will bring you into the land of Israel. And you shall know that I am the Lord when you open your graves and you... And raise you from your graves, O my people, and I will put my spirit within you, and you shall live, and I will place you in your own land. Then you shall know that I am the Lord have spoken, and I will do it, declares the Lord. This morning, God is breathing in our, in our dry bones. He's breathing his breath of life into us. The things that we thought were dead, the hopelessness, the, the despair, the whatever situation, fill in the blank for your life, my marriage, my family. God is breathing his breath of life, his resurrection life into our dry bones. Come on. Amen. Amen. So what I want to do this morning is actually um, I've asked uh, them to play a, play a song. It's called Resurrecting by Elevation. And it's, it's so good. And we're going to stand together and we're going to worship. And I know there's not a band up here, so it seems kind of weird that we're going to stand and worship to this song. But there is power in it, and I feel like there's an opportunity for us to actually be like Ezekiel, where we begin to prophesy over our own dry bones and say, come out of your grave. Come out of your grave. So let's stand together. Yeah. I also want to take a moment, Ian, you can press play, but if there's anyone in this room where you've been, someone maybe brought you here or dragged you here for Easter. Maybe you're a creaster. You come out twice a year, Christmas and Easter. But we want to say you're so welcome here. You're so absolutely welcome. And there's a Jesus who wants to know you. There's a God who, who already knows you, but he wants to know you on an intimate, personal level. And so if you've never received that Jesus as your Lord and Savior, we're going to pray this all together. But yeah, now is your moment. <laughs> Exactly. Now is your moment. So Jesus, I thank you for your death. I thank you for your resurrection that we have been raised to life with you. And this morning we choose to say, to believe in our hearts and confess with our mouth that you are my Lord and Savior. You are our Lord and Savior, Jesus. Would you wash away all of our sin, all of our shame? Yeah. We welcome you into our hearts. Would you come and just make your home in my heart, Jesus, this morning. I want to live my life for you. I want to give everything to you, Jesus. Amen. If you prayed that or you want to pray with that, we have pastors at the back at our connect table that would love to pray deeper. But, guys, let's just declare this today. We're going we're gonna to release to God this morning. All of the things that have been holding us back, the, the, the death, the sin, the shame, the sickness, the depression, the anxiety, we're going to release it to him and we're going to ask him to fill us with hope, to fill us with healing, 
to fill us with his resurrection power. And if you want to come forward and worship, you're welcome. If you need prayer, if you need prayer for your marriage, if you need prayer for sickness in your body, if you need prayer for anything, please come forward. We'd love to pray with you. But let's just turn this up. We're going we're gonna to go for it for a few minutes. Let's prophesy over our dry bones this morning. Come on. Come out of the grave. Come out of the grave. Come on. Dry bones live. It's Sunday. It's Sunday. It's Sunday. It's Sunday. It's resurrection day. Today seems like a good day for resurrection. Come on. over our marriages. Come on.
Let's lift up a shout of praise, Jesus. Thank you that you are a resurrected king. We worship you, we love you. Not just today, God, but 365 days a year, we know that this is our reality, that you are a resurrected king. Come on. So good. Give someone a hug or a high five, fist bump. Happy Easter, everyone. Happy Resurrection Day.